0: Welcome to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. This Sunday, Apostle continues in the Word of His Grace series. He preaches a sermon titled, The Ability to Resist Sin. In this service, he continues to teach on how grace has not only worked for us, but also works in us. Grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the city of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed.
1: We'll be talking about grace working in us. We'll be talking about grace working in us. And today I've deliberately titled it The Ability to Resist Sin. The Ability to Resist Sin. The Ability to Resist Sin. Praise God. And we're going to start from looking at a few things that you're going to have to understand. If you're going to understand the message of grace. A few things you're going to have to understand if you're going to understand the message of grace. Last time we talked about how grace works for you. But there's also now an aspect of grace working in you. We talked about how grace works for you. But there's an aspect of grace working in you. And so many people, uh, you can tell from the songs, you can tell from the sermons, and all those things, that many people have focused on how grace works for us. And in grace working for us, here's what happens. Grace gets us forgiven. Grace puts us at a place where our sins are cast away. Where God forgets all the evil things. But then there's what is called grace working in you. And that's a whole different story. That's, that's beyond just Jesus dying for you. That goes to the fact that Jesus was risen and you rose again with him. You're going to understand more of that as we go on. I want us to understand a few terms that you'll come across when you're dealing, especially when you're reading the epistles, when you're reading the New Testament. There are certain terms you'll come across which will help you if you which will help you if you want to live a life that is pleasing to God there are a few terms I'd like you to be well acquainted with the first term is the old man the other term is the new man these two terms there are certain terms that every believer should know I will tell you a few apart from these two I believe every believer should have a proper understanding of spirit, soul, body every believer should understand that spirit, soul, body every believer the spirit man being the real you the you that has the capacity to connect with God the you that has the capacity to connect to the spiritual realm and the spiritual realm does not just have holy things then there is the soul the soul is the one that connects you to the emotional and mental side of the world and you notice that you need your soul in order to function properly it uh, and usually in the scriptures especially in the Old Testament you'll find that the same word was used to describe both spirit and soul So many people have struggled with the distinction. I think it's only in the New Testament where you begin to see a bit of distinction. Like in Thessalonians, uh, when Paul said, I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved, blameless. So there is your soul. And the soul is, this is what deals with the mind, the heart, the will, and all those things. And then we've got the body. The body is the house. It's the one that connects you to the physical world. And you must take care of your body because it, it you need it for you to function in the physical world. In adding to that, you might want to know that apart from creatures that have a body, nothing else has got a legal right to manifest on earth unless given permission by someone with a body. That's why you, know, you, you rarely find that, oh, an angel came and addressed the U.N., And give a thirty-minute speech and all that. No, instead, what will happen is that God will inspire a message in a human being, or an angel will visit a human being to go and give the speech. Haven't you noticed that even in the Book of Judges, the angels would visit people, and then the people would be given power by God. The Spirit of God would come upon those people, and then those people are the ones who now would be the judges of the land. So you observe that that's what happens. And that's why you'll notice that in the book of Acts, the heightened angelic activity could also be linked to the heightened prayers. But there are certain terms such as the old man that you need to understand. The old man, when the Bible says the old man, it refers to the person you were before you were saved. When the Bible says the old man, it refers to the person that you were before you were saved. And I would love it if you could agree with God by starting to see the person you were before you were saved as the old man. That way when you're studying the scriptures, you know what applies to the old man and what applies to the new. You know what God has done to the old and what and what has happened to the new. There's somebody who called me the other time and told me, Pastor, I'm telling you I have I've just lost it. Things are so bad. You can imagine I took alcohol again. There's another person who contacted me and told me, Pastor, and there was something that they did which was wrong. Now what's interesting is this their old lifestyle. That which they did was just a drop in the ocean. But how come this time they felt something strange? They felt something different. They felt this thing called guilt. It's because that old man died. That's how you find in the old lifestyle it wouldn't have bothered him. And matter of fact, you would have told themselves this is what I'm drunk. i have drunk. I can drink a little more than this. It showed you that there was something alive talking. There was was someone there saying, hey, this is not the way I live. And and when we're done with this series, every one of you will live a holy life. And the reason why I'm teaching you about the old man and the new man is because in our faith, in our Christian faith, which 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 we have come to believe, in our faith, you are before you do. So if you want to change what you do in our faith, you have to change who you are. So if you want to adjust what you do, then you must first recognize who you are. Praise God. You are before you do. I'll tell you something. You know, um, there's a famous statement we love to make uh, when we are trying to emphasize certain things. You know how we tell people Leadership is not about position. It's about, uh, what, what do we say? It's about function and the like. Those are very nice statements and they apply to a certain context. However, we cannot ignore the place for position in leadership. I'll give you an example. There's no one who can just stand up and make a national decree and say since leadership is about function and making a national decree and the like, if everyone was to listen to it, it would be considered a rebellion to an extent the position that you hold can determine how much leadership you are able to exert. Or oh, we are getting somewhere. When you understand the position you now have in Christ, the position you now have over yourself, the position you now have over your body, you decide who rules who. You decide who is the ruler of who. Because remember, a leadership position can determine the authority with which you speak. The person who was once your grade 7 classmate, if they are now president, my friend, what they say can determine how much tax you pay. They can even grab your house because they've got that right. So you must understand the concept of the old man and the concept of the new man. As a matter of fact, I would love it if in our cell groups, I mean, our platforms online, our discussions, I would love this to be a further topic of discussion where we talk about what really does the Bible say about the old man and what does the Bible say about the new man. So, the old man, this is you before salvation. This is you before salvation. This is the one who the Bible refers to as a sinner. This is the one who the Bible says your sins and iniquities have hidden you from God. This is the one whom the Bible says Christ loved us while we were yet sinners. This is the one whom the Bible refers to as a flower quickly fading. Here today I'm gone tomorrow. This is the one who's crying out for Jesus not to pass them by. This is the one who's crying out, I believe you by unbelief. It's that old man. You must be able to understand which scriptures are written to the old man. Which ones are, what's written to the old man. Because scripturally, when the old man is referred to, and you'll see that when we go into the scriptures, When the old man is referred to, it starts talking about the old man in past tense. This is the one that was behind all those things that you were doing. All those thoughts you were thinking. All those things you were doing with your body. This is the one that was behind that. It's that old man. And this old man died with Christ for a believer. This old man Died with Christ now it would have been glorious if all God did was forgive the old man it would have been glorious if it would have been glorious if all God did was tell the old man that he no longer has any debt to pay But then God decided, no, 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 no. I've got a plan. This one dies on the cross because my son dies on his behalf. So if somebody dies on your behalf and you've died, this one dies on the cross. But then, there's something else that I have in mind. There is a new man that I want. There is a new man that I'm creating. And that's who you are as a believer. A new man. And so the new man is the you after salvation. For the old man, grace worked for him. For the new man, grace has worked in him. So grace has worked in you and has produced a new creation. That's what the grace of God did. So it's one thing for God to forget all your sins. It's another thing for, for God to make you a new creation. God dealt with the old man, forgave him, and then created a whole new man. And that's why I want us to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And by the way, the man being referred to is the real you, the one on the inside. The one who will stand before God is the one on the inside. That's the real you. The Bible says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, all things have passed away. So meaning all those actions, their consequences, spiritually, they've passed away. They've died, they've died with Jesus. All things have become new. I would be unbiblical if I told you otherwise. Because that's what the Bible says. And then afterwards the Bible goes on to describe this new creation. In verse 21. It says, For God made he who who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. So he became so we could become. So he became in the likeness of our old man. So that our new man can be in the likeness of him. So our new man, what's its characteristic? The new man is righteous. The new man is righteous. The new man is righteous. And someone would ask now, Apostle, 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 if that's the case, then why are Christians, not living the life they're supposed to. Well, for starters, some of them have just never read this message. That's why you should share it. You see, you can be born... Let me me explain this, because I want people to grow. I want people to learn. When a person gets saved, the real you, like I said, is the inner man. And that's the you that's born again. Because in the the first place, that's the you that was corrupted. So man is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a body. The Bible clearly tells us that we must show leadership. The real you now must be a leader. A leader not just by function but also by position. You are now a leader by position. So you must show leadership to your soul and to your body. To your soul, how do you show leadership? By deliberately renewing its mind. Because you will find that from the, from the time you were born, you've been exposed to certain knowledge. You've been exposed to demonic counsel sometimes. You've been exposed to worldly wisdom. And so you deal with it deliberately by renewing your mind. In Romans chapter 12... I want us to see Romans 12 verse 1 and verse 2 shows us how to deal with both the body and the mind. But let's start with the soul. Verse 2. We are told, told, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That shows you that you can align your mind to God's will. And it shows you that when your mind is aligned to the world, it's confirmation. But the moment you align your mind to God's word, it's transformation. Suddenly your mind thinks like God. Suddenly you've got, you, you, uh, the Bible tells us you've got the mind of Christ. But you have to be deliberate about that. Otherwise you can be born again, tongue speaking, but still thinking like a sinner and as a man thinks in his heart what happens that, 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 that's who he's going to be that's, who, that's how he's going to act out that's how he's going to live so somebody can be very born again and they can still be seated thinking Yeah. so right now I would have been in a club I, you see that so th- this thing has to be renewed and the interesting thing is this, the effect that God's word has on your mind is transformation that's even bigger than confirmation Because conforming, you are just aligning to a standard. Transforming, even your your mind becomes a new spirit. And so you've got the position, you've got the ability, you've got the grace to show leadership to your soul and to your body. And when it comes to your soul, the scripture tells us how to do that by uh, seeing what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. The Bible says... And do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That shows you something. It means that even when you get saved, you find that your mind can still be conformed to the way it's been raised to think. Your mind can still be thinking in the demonic pattern that it was raised. In the worldly pattern that it was raised. But but you've got the mandate. You've got the ability. You've got the functioning to renew it by the word of God. And it's interesting that when you align it to the world, it's called confirmation. But when you align it to God, it's transformation. That shows you that God can get this thing, this mind that used to think like this, turn it around and suddenly it's the mind of Christ. That's how it is. And that's something deliberate. That's something that you do with your mind. But then you are also to show leadership to your body. You are to show leadership to your body. Let me show you. Romans twelve verse 1. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You are to show leadership to your body. How? By presenting it as a living sacrifice. Now, what does the word sacrifice mean? You know, when, when you're talking about something that's a sacrifice, it means uh, something is being denied something at once. There's a certain freedom that something is being denied. And so, for your body, you've got the mandate to make it a living sacrifice. Why? Because your body is not saved yet. Your body is not born again. You are to rule over it. You are to rule over it. That shows you that somebody can be born again and still experience the lust of the flesh. Where? In the body. Worse off if they've not trained, if they've not renewed their mind. You find there's a tag team. Someone can get saved today and tomorrow still feel like going to the same place that they used to go to. But now you've got the mandate to show rulership over your body. And you can now do that. Previously... Even if you desired to do it, it can overpower you because you don't have the grace. You don't have the ability when you're not saved. But now that you're born again, you can rule over your body. You can rule over your mind. And that's why I'm teaching you who you are. Because who you are determines what you do. Praise God. So I hope you've heard me. There is the old man, and we've got the new man. And the new man is righteous. And so when I'm describing you, the you that I'm describing is your spirit. If the you that you focus on firstly is your mind and your body, you, you will struggle to get this. You have to focus on you being a spirit, and then deal with the other parts. Don't forget, you are a spirit. You are a spirit. And so, I want us to continue As we look at what grace has done in us. Romans chapter number 6. And we're going to read verse 1. I would like you to take time to read this in your own time. And this shows you what grace has done in us. So the Bible says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Hold on there. That shows you something. It means, before we were saved, here we were, we were sinners. And we were practicing sin. But God's grace, God's grace measured up to it. God's grace actually okay, didn't just measure up, but covered it, overpowered it. And we were forgiven despite everything that we did. But shall we continue to live a despite my thoughts kind of life your whole, your whole life? Is that the kind of life that God has called us for? Of merely surviving. That's what the life is us for. That's why Paul says, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? And then he says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live longer in it? Who is he talking about now? The old man. The old man who was a sinner, what happened? That one died. And we're being told that we died to sin. Why? Because the old man, the one who was a sinner died the day you got saved. If you're listening to me and you're, and, and, you're not yet, uh, and you're not yet born again, you might as well just start playing that video of those four men who come dancing, because they're about to dance with that old man. I'm going to lead you to Christ today. Praise God. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think somebody should make a video where like Frederick is preaching, and then the old man is looking, and then one second later, the old man is being carried around. Because... <laughs> That's a grace scheme to do. <laughs> oh no, the song is playing in my hand. So verse 3. <laughs> the Bible says, Oh, do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death. That shows you something. We were baptized into his death. There is a reason why when we are baptized in you, we don't leave you down. Because... You being baptized is significant of you dying with Christ. Now we don't leave you down. Nobody, we don't leave you more than three seconds. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) Although there are some legends who within half a second want to be out. So anyways, we baptize you. We are saying you've died with Christ. But the story didn't end there. As a matter of fact, the death of that story was the introduction of another one. That's where verse 4 comes in. Verse 4 says, Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. That's why when we baptize you, we bring you back out. We're trying to say the one who went down is not the same one who's gone up. The one who went down died. This one is a whole new creation. It's not a renewed one. It's not even a changed one. It's not even a person who has changed. It's not even a sinner who has changed. No. It's a whole new creation. A whole new species. And the quality of that species is they are righteous. They are righteous. Listen. When a baby is born, we stop counting the years or the months that they spent in the fetus. We don't say, oh, the child is born, so you are now... Nine months plus one day. No, all things are passed away. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Everything starts afresh. Everything starts anew. You will not not find the mother whipping the jaw. You were used to kicking the womb. One, two, why were you kicking me in the womb? All things are passed away. Someone would say, ah uh, but when you look at babies you know they'll make mistakes maybe they'll will, they'll will not function fully like a, a human being they'll be dependent for food they'll be giving you surprise presents all the time from uh, the backside and the like but that's the thing when you start training them you're not training them to remain that no you're teaching them how a normal human being functions that's why i'm teaching you this so you may be the believer and you've been messing up this is your toilet training yeah. If, if even babies are trained to become a certain standard, when a baby is born, we've got a standard that we have. We've got a picture that we have. So even when you when you are born again, God had a picture in mind. And the picture is described in the book of Ephesians. You know the picture is described. Being born again is not the final end. As a matter of fact, being born again is the beginning. Didn't Jesus say, didn't I tell you that if you are born did Jesus say you must be born again because unless a man is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God so meaning there was a, it's a means to another end at the end of the day we are trying to see the kingdom of God at the end of the day there is a kingdom we are being born into and look at this in Ephesians the Bible says in verse 11 that he gave some to be apostles prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors for the perfecting or for the maturing of the saints God's aim for you is perfection. Verse 12. Give it to me from the KJV. You'll see that. It says, for the perfecting of the saints. The word perfect in the scripture simply means maturing. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Then what's his aim? Uh His aim is, verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man. He didn't say we should remain babies. His aim is for us to all come to a perfect man. And I'm telling you that you are before you do. And to the measure and stage of the fullness of Christ. That's God's aim for you. Somebody type. That's the aim. That's the end goal. Somebody said, Jesus, you are my goal. You are my vision. Praise God. That's the end goal. That's the end result. And that's why we're liberating and teaching you the word. Because Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. And there's only one way for that bride to get clean. You want to see how? It's shown in Ephesians chapter 5. When you read over there in verse 24. 25. The Bible says, Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject to their husbands in everything. Uh And it says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You know, one thing I love about the scriptures is that they are so balanced. The wives are told to do something, the husbands are also told to do it. So if in your house all you keep emphasizing is, I'm the head, I'm the head, and if you really have to keep emphasizing it, you must also check how you are doing the loving part. Maybe you are not presenting yourself a certain way on the other side if you keep saying hey you don't love you don't love you should also check how you are doing the submitting part somebody following the scriptures are very clear imagine the same scripture after it says children obey your parents the very next verse parents don't provoke your children to anger scriptures are so balanced but sometimes the trouble is that we take the part that suits us in the moment not really the part that corrects us in the moment so it says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Have you noticed how the church doesn't mind submitting to a head like Jesus? It's because of the way he loves us. We should have a men's conference. I'm thinking, we'll plan something. Maybe somewhere February, February, February. I sense in my heart February. We'll, we'll, plan, we'll plan a men's conference somewhere in February. Maybe 14, somewhere there. So, let's go on. Now, in verse 26, it's just a random date. The Bible says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. My goodness, you know, I'm not even really at to start today. I'm just showing you a lot of basics. That's the kind of bride he's coming for. One who's sanctified and cleansed. How? By the word. And in verse twenty-seven, notice what it goes on to say: that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. How does the church become holy and without blemish? How does the church be glorious? How the church? How does the church have no spot or wrinkle? It's when the word is taught to the church, because the word sanctifies, the word washes. That's why Jesus tells his disciples, "You're already clean because of the words I've spoken to you." Let's go back to Romans 6, ladies and gentlemen. We're in verse 4. Oh my, I'm in the zone today. The Bible says, Therefore, we were buried with him to baptism in death. Just as Christ was raised up from the dead, we may also walk in the newness of life. And then, as I keep reading, try to remember some of the things I said earlier about the old man and the new man. Let's go to verse 11. Read the whole chapter on your own. In verse 11 we are told, Likewise, give me the new King James. Likewise, Maybe from verse 10, since it starts with likewise. For the death he died, talking about Jesus, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Let's go on. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you know, sometimes... The first struggle is on the believing side. You know, if you don't believe you are dead to sin, you will not start seeing the manifestation. We are being told, likewise, reckon yourselves. Don't wait for somebody to tell you. Confess it. Say, I am dead to sin. Come on. Let me see you type it. I am dead to sin. Praise God. Let's go on. It goes on to say, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. You see that? Who's the ruler of your mortal body? Who's the leader? Who's the one who's, who, who's, who's supposed to keep vigilant? It's you. And have you noticed that your body is not being called you? Your body is not being called you. You know, sometimes I, I feel like we walk around like we are bodies who have a spirit. Instead of walking around like we are spirits who have a body. Which one owns which one? Which one is in charge of which one? Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Which you is being spoken to? The you, that's the inner man, that's the spirit, which you must understand is no longer the old man, but is now the new man. And this new man has been birthed in righteousness. That's the you that's being spoken about. And it says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its last. So you see that. So sometimes your body will tell you, do this, do that, do that, do that. That's not you. You know, there was someone I was speaking to the other time and they told me how they had stayed away from something for a long time. But then they felt they were being hypocritical because they would still feel like doing that thing. And I said, you see, that's And so eventually they gave it because they thought, ah, there's nothing I'm doing. After all, this, uh, this thought and this feeling still comes. And I said, that's where Satan got you. That's where it got to you. Because the Bible says the, lust, the flesh lasts against, against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. What am I trying to say? This body, the body, it's you to reign over it. It's you to reign over it. I'm telling you, the body can shock you. It can shock you. It can amaze you. you be, the body can amaze some. Someone will think, "Am I saved? If you allow the body to lead you the things it can lead you to do it, you can be amazed. Someone can end up doing something worse than a pagan. It can amaze you. That's why you must not let sin reign over it. not at law, you know I'm holy, I, you know I speak in tongues and the like and so all these restrictions people give about how if a man and a woman are not married, how they should, how they should be no that doesn't apply to me because you know I'm very, your body will shock you amaze you. Because something called hormones will kick in. You'll be amazed. We're told what to do scripturally. Don't let sin win in your body. That you should obey it in its class. Some people are too carefree. They've not learned to rule this thing. They've not learned how it thinks. Next verse. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. You know what members are? Body parts. It says, do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. I'll tell you something about instruments. Instruments follow the lead of the player. Not the other way around. Can I say that again? Maybe our, 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 the person on the keyboard... Play us, bless the Lord of my soul in melody, very quickly. Bless the Lord of my soul. Quickly. Are you seeing that? That's the same keyboard. Same keyboard. Now, same person on the keyboard. Randomly play. Just. Randomly put your fingers anywhere Without Same keyboard Producing different results Because the result of the keyboard Is based on the player So when the player improves his skill You'll be thinking Have we bought a new keyboard? No you know, <laughs> I'm telling you There was this keyboard that we were using It was so bad I tell you It was so bad Some keys were not working And so you know When I was playing it it was really coming out horribly. And one time we had uh, Tamandani with us. And he's really good. The guy played on the same keyboard. And I was wondering, is it's the same thing. are is, very. Is, is it the same one? The, the problem there is the player. And so we have been told, don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. This is the ability you never had before you were saved. You could try as hard as you can. Somewhere you are going to miss the mark. But the Bible wouldn't tell us to do this if we are not able to. So if a person walks around thinking, you know, it's not possible to live a holy life, my friend, you are wiser than God. Congratulations. You are yeah, wiser than the one who wrote the scriptures. It's not possible to be to, to to be perfect. Congratulations. You've just rewritten you Jesus made a mistake then to you when he said be perfect as the Father in heaven is perfect. Why don't we go for what the Bible says? That, you know, as we're going for what the scripture says, you know what's happening? We are being transformed. But if you go for earthly wisdom, you are being conformed. And you know, sometimes this thing comes out in messages. And interestingly, it comes out in grace messages. You don't have to try so hard. God knows. And despite everything that you're doing wrong, still loves you. And all that stuff. The scripture, it's not genuinely the message of grace. If it's not scripture. Be scripture. Can can we continue? Is somebody enjoying this? It feels more like a Bible expose. eh? Don't you think so? Let's look at the next verse. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law but under grace. How do we know you're under grace? Sin doesn't have dominion over you. It says, sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. If you came through in our earlier teachings, you'll notice that we had talked about how before you are saved, or you are under the law, because the law doesn't supply, the law demands, and you can only give what you have. And because the person is a sinner, ideally what they start doing is they start sinning. So sin has dominion over them, even though the law is perfect. But, when you're under grace, sin no longer has dominion over you. You've died, you've died to the old man, you've died to the law. You're now under a new dispensation called grace. And we've defined grace last week, not just as favour, but grace is God's divine endowment. It's God's divine ability which is working in you. It has worked for you and it's also working in you. It works for and in you. And our focus in this period is what grace has done in us. I'm telling you that sin shall not have dominion over you. you're listen to me. Pornography shall not have dominion over you. Sexual immorality shall not have dominion over you. All those addictions, alcoholism, uh, shall not have dominion over you. Anger shall not have dominion over you. Bitterness shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, you're not under the things that enabled it, you're under grace. you are under grace. And like I mentioned, grace is God's ability working in you. and today I'm for oh my God, I sense the anointing addictions are breaking this very moment addictions are broken in Jesus name they are broken in the name of Jesus some of you did certain things perhaps and your body keeps responding to them maybe it has affected your hormones somehow in the name of Jesus that is reversed addictions break right now in Jesus name they break right now in Jesus name Oh, this gospel is the power of God unto salvation, it's the power of God unto deliverance. Every foul spirit, every foul spirit that's trying to heighten certain desires. In the name of Jesus, I command that foul spirit to go in Jesus' name. Now let's continue looking at what grace does in us. Titus chapter two. I'm going to read from verse eleven. To 13, reading really from the New King James and the Amplified. This is what grace has done in us. This is why the message of grace leaves you at a place where sin doesn't have dominion over you. Because grace hasn't just worked for you to get forgiven, there's something grace has done in you. Let's look at it. Titus 2, verse 11. The Bible says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. I'm sure you know the word salvation comes from the Greek word soteria, and the word salvation you find that there are about seven things that it includes it includes healing it includes deliverance it includes justification it includes sanctification it includes forgiveness of sin it includes glorification that grace has appeared to all men oh The thought, grace has appeared to all men. What does he go on to say? Teaching us, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Grace affects the way you live. Grace doesn't just get you forgiven for how you lived. Grace affects the way you live. It affects the way you live. Grace affects. Grace influences. Grace changes. Let's look at it from the Amplified. From verse 11. The Bible says, For the grace of God, His unmerited favor and blessing, has come forward and appeared for the deliverance from sin and eternal salvation for all mankind. Next verse. It has trained us. Have you seen that? It has trained us to reject and renounce all ungodliness. And worldly passionate desires to live a discreet, temperate, self-controlled, upright, devout, spiritually whole life in this present age. Goes on to say, the next verse, that as we await the fulfilment and realization of our blessed hope, even the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ the Messiah. So as we are waiting, grace is already working. And what has this grace done? It has. It has. It has trained us to reject the worldly way as we await the coming of the Lord Jesus. Listen, the capacity, no matter your desire to walk when you're living in the womb, it might just be a little bit difficult because the space might not necessarily that be that much, especially if uh, you know. Just sorry, my mind just pictures things. I was just imagining like somebody really not so big and then they've got a child in the woman. Well there's a space to walk about and do what you want to do. But then when a person is brought out, the capacity to do life changes. Everything changes. The capacity to eat different things, they start with milk, they can go to solid food, isn't it? The capacity to develop is there. The capacity to grow is there. The capacity to function and to a place of the perfect man where they need no help is there. that's what grace has done to us it has appeared to us and it teaches us to deny ungodliness someone may say how does it teach us because first it has made us right how does it teach us oh I commend you to God to the word of his grace the scriptures show us how to the scriptures show us how to well, I've already mentioned some things. Renew your mind. I've mentioned something. Don't let sin reign in your body. I've mentioned something. Consider your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. Earlier, I was telling you about the old man and the new man. Reason being, if you don't, if if you don't walk out of the phase of condemnation, you can't live a holy life because it's very easy to do dirty things when you see yourself as a dirty person. That's a fact. Many, many people have been staying home during this period. Someone came to me and, and they were telling me, Pastor, I was remembering your sermons because, you know, uh, at their house, the person who would usually do the cleaning and the like is not has not been permitted to be working during this period. And so the person was saying, Pastor, I've been the one doing the cleaning. And I remembered your sermon. They actually had like an outfit which is just specifically for cleaning because it's very easy to do things that involve drifts. Yeah, I'm sure that outfit is not necessarily the best in the world. It's not necessarily the one someone would want to get married in or something like that. And then that wedding dress, is not necessarily something someone would want to sweep in. Or something like that. Praise God. That shows you that how you see yourself will determine what you do. Because right believing will cause right living. So if you still believe yourself to be that dirty person who did all those dirty things, then the temptation to do dirty things will be higher. To be heightened because if you see yourself as dirty, then the question will be what, what's the point? What's there to keep? What's there to be? What's there to present? Preserve. Oh, but grace has done something in you, grace has made you a creature that's new. There's a lot to preserve, and you know, the biggest thing it's given you a relationship, a relationship with God that's something you need to preserve. Praise God. Oh, I'm wondering, should we look at one final portion of scripture or should we end here? One more. eh? Let's let's look at this. You know, I've come to understand that if you're going to understand the scriptures, it would be important to really study, like if you're reading a letter, study the entire letter. There's one verse that I loved when I just got saved, I would read it every morning and, and confess it every let morning. Me, let me show it to you. First John 1. And from the New King James. And we're going to read verse, let's start from verse 7 maybe. First John 1. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin that verse 7 is the context for verse 8 because verse 8 is now showing us what the blood of Jesus did. Verse 7 is definitely the context for verse 8. You'll see how we're going to go to chapter 2 and chapter 3 Let's go back Maybe I'll start from verse 6 Verse 6 If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Then in verse 7 but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' his son cleanses us from all sin. Now let's look at verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Uh-huh. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but the entire chapter 1, he seems to be introducing. Christianity. seems to be introducing it. I don't know if you've observed that. I'm saying this because when you progress in the letter, the way he speaks changes. Here's why I'm saying this. Because he first tells us, look, every person is born with the sin factor. And if a person claimed to be born without it, don't be lying. But then we were told earlier, that the remedy to that sin fact is the blood of Jesus, which cleanses us. And they were being told that when we confess, what does God do? He forgives us, but he doesn't end on forgiving us. There's another action. He cleanses us. Now, why I'm saying that uh, you will have to progress in the letter to get John's doctrine is because, just go to chapter 2. Let's just start from chapter 2. Because I used to read that every day thinking, oh my goodness, if I wake up any day thinking I'm not a sinner, then, then there's a problem. Chapter 2, notice, he starts by saying, my little children, these things are right to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with, with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He doesn't say when everyone sins, he says, if. have you noticed how it's beginning to build? Now let's go to chapter 3. By the time we reach chapter 3, he now starts unveiling his doctrine. In verse 7, look at this. He says, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The he there is Jesus. That shows you something. If a person thinks that righteous people are not there, they are deceived. He says, let no one deceive you. Then look at verse 8. Now in verse 8 he says, He who sins is of the devil. For the devil, this is the same letter. We are the ones who divided in two chapters. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He shows you that, look, we were of the devil. But Jesus manifested for that purpose. That sin factor was dealt with by the manifestation of Jesus. That's why look at what he says now in verse 9. In verse nine, now he says, "Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God." Oh, if we could give this verse the same attention we gave the first one. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. This one is not. Th- this one is separated from every other human being, and he says it does not sin. That's in terms of action, and he says, "For his seed remains in him." Which seed is he talking about? First Peter chapter one verse twenty-three. I told you this is an expose eh? First Peter chapter one verse 23. what does it say? Having been born again, not of corruptible seed but incorruptible, through the word of God which abides and lives in us forever. What does it say in, in, in John chapter one? Is it verse uh, 13? It says, "Children not born of flesh and blood, nor of the will of man, but born of God. So that which is born of God, does not sin, he cannot sin, for God's seed remains in him. That's what the Bible says. Now, some people have asked me, Apostle, how have you managed to maintain the faith? You know, from the time you got saved, we've not heard stories of you backsliding and all those things. It's it's because of believing such things. You know what's interesting? I found myself living a better life when I believed I was righteous. Rather than when I believed that every morning I would wake up and say, Why? Because the word of God has got the ability. Let's not forget Acts twenty thirty two. I commend you to God and to the word of His grace which builds you up and gives you an inheritance among the sanctified. So this word, you believe it, what does it do? It starts building you up. Building you up like what? Like itself. Remember Pastor Chris says it makes you what it talks about. So it builds you up like itself. And then what goes on afterwards? It gives you an inheritance among the sanctified. You'll be mentioned among the holy ones, my friend. You'll be mentioned among those who conquered. I, 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 I can tell you. You'll be mentioned among those who went there, did it, and done it. You'll be mentioned among those with a testimony of how the word of God works. Ladies and gentlemen, the grace of God which brings salvation has appeared to all men. The grace which brings salvation has appeared to all of us. And this grace teaches us that we can deny ungodliness. I'm telling you, the real you is a spirit man. And this spirit man, when you're saved, has been birthed by God and is a new creation. And God has given you the tools to show leadership by having your mind renewed so that you can be transformed. And also having charge over your mortal body you may be listening to me and you're struggling I'll tell you that the first key is to change what you believe remember you're not wiser than God but you can humble yourself by agreeing and submitting to his wisdom if you're watching me and you're not born again you're not saved and you want this some of you may be watching and you have believed the wrong things and so this is now your moment of restoration not just from things you've done wrong, but even wrong things you've believed, I want you to lift your hand. And I want you to say after me. So Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross so that I could be saved. I give you my life. And as of today, I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I'm a new creation you've just said that prayer, I want you to type, I've just gotten born again. And I want you to send us a message and our team will look out for you. If you're listening to this through podcast, I want you to contact the details that will be given to you at the end or you can check the details in the description. Praise God. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for God's people. Father, I speak a blessing over them. I decree and declare that you are their peace. You, you, you yourself are their peace. I declare that the peace of God is ruling their minds. The peace of God is ruling their hearts. Jesus' name. Lord, we agree. We agree that this week we are seeing mighty manifestations, even as a result of the prayers we had on Saturday and the prayers that have been taking place around the globe during this period. We see a reduction. We see a mass decline. A mass decline in confirmed cases. A mass decline death not just in Zambia, but all around the world i pray in jesus name for supernatural supplies for your people i pray in the name of jesus for divine favor for them even in a period where people think people should be saved, this is the period some of them are getting that this is the period that uh major breakthroughs are happening in people's lives in jesus name How may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the sweet fellowship of the Spirit of God be with you all? Thank you so much.
0: Wow, what a service! I've been so blessed and I know you have been too. Now, if you have just responded to the altar call by giving your life to Christ, wherever you're listening from, we would love to hear from you. Get in touch with us. You can reach the city of the Lord Church on 953 or 977 if you're unable to call, you can email us on the city of the Lord Zambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.